Welcome to Real Men Feel. This is your host, Andy Grant. Thank you for joining us today. In my part of the world, spring has finally sprung. And if you are feeling the urge for some new aspect of you to blossom, I invite you to step inward and join me for a complimentary clarity call. Go to theandygrant.com slash talk while I still have some open slots for one-on-one work. Go to theandygrant.com slash talk and put yourself first. My guest today is artist, author, and coach Sheila Darcy, and we'll discuss using art to heal and transform our lives. How crucial creative expression is for our mental and emotional health, Sheila shares her experiences working with men in prison, we venture into holotropic breathwork and the Akashic Records, she'll give you some great mind hacks to get over the, but I'm not an artist, resistance, you'll hear what might be a new definition of anxiety, learn about emotional time travel, and hear Sheila's worst assumption she ever made. Let's get to it. Hi, Sheila. Welcome to Real Men Feel. Thank you, Andy. I've been looking forward to it. Awesome. Awesome. Glad to hear that. You know, when I first spoke to you, you intentionally did not call this art. You don't call what you did art. So why is that? Because of the hangups and the perceptions people have with art. And the intention of why I started doing it in the first place had nothing to do with the making of art. It had everything to do with expressing my emotions. So I wanted to make sure that when people heard about what I did, that they understood the purpose and mission of my work. So how did you discover that creative expression could be healing? Oh, you know, what's really interesting is I found my way to creative expression because as a child... I used to escape into my art and having had a really challenging traumatic childhood, I don't think I intentionally knew what was happening back then. And so what happened is I hit a point in my anxiety. So I had a really bad, I was a bad flyer. (laughs) I used to have to drink these little bottles of alcohol just to get on the flight. And, and I have to get drunk just to get through the flight. And basically I knew something was not, something inside was not, was not good. And I didn't know what what mental health was. I didn't know what anxiety was. Ended up seeing a therapist. She helped me understand that that anxiety is really energy in your body you're not releasing. And for me, that energy was emotions I had been pushing down. And I'd been pushing it down all my life. I mean, decades and decades. So when she told me, you really need an avenue to release those emotions. Have you thought about doing something that you love? I immediately thought about my art. And I just remember doing it. So when I decided to do it, I thought what would be really easy is just to go back to pen and paper and start sketching. So I committed to doing it daily. And then when I did it, something magical happened. I cannot explain it. All I knew is something was shifting inside. You know, when you're doing something and something is shifting and you can feel it, but you can't quite put your finger on it. And the more I did it, the more I just became more and more still, which is never, I've never been still Andy. Like I, (laughs) <laughs> I was always so high energy and the idea of being still was seemed like an impossibility for me. And that's what ended up happening is I found a lot of stillness in my art. So prior to this, you said you escaped into art as a child. So was it just fun? Was it all different types? Did you even feel anxious as a child or not? Oh, I'm sure I did. No, I mean, I had an alcoholic father who was very abusive and I also immigrated and I just went through a lot of changes over time. And because of the volatility of my life and my childhood, I escaped. So I was basically disassociating in many ways. And I think there's many different terms for doodling. I think people understand meditating. I think I was just quietening my mind because it was always going. And so I would draw, paint. But the interesting thing, Andy, is I used to do realistic 
drawings. So I would only draw what I could see. And if you look at sketch poetic today, it's totally opposite. I'm sketching things that have nothing to do with images or objects. It has to do with how I'm feeling. So it's taking everything that's inside of me and putting it on paper. And that's the power of it. It's not about the outcome. It's the process of what's happening when I'm doing it. It's really powerful. Cool. So you mentioned Sketch Poetic. So what exactly is that? Is that a process? Is that just your favorite website? Yeah, thank you for asking. So Sketch Poetic is the practice. I call it a practice because it is an ongoing thing. It's not about perfecting anything. It's the process of letting go. It's the process of surrendering to the act of creating. And the first thing I will say is everyone has the ability to sketch poetic. You do not need to be an artist. It's the number one question I get asked. Everyone's a creator. You're a creator. I'm a creator. We're creating every day in our lives. We're constantly making choices. And one of the things that I think about when I think about sketch poetic is it's basically playing in our imagination but we're doing it in a way where we're able to process our emotions, which can be pretty damn heavy, as you know, like, you know, as a man and as a woman, we are always ebbing and flowing through different emotions. But I feel like, and we talked a little bit about this when we first met, how we express our emotions are different. That's really the difference. The feeling of the emotions tends to be universal based on all the workshops I've done, but it's how we're expressing it. So men and women express differently, not only based on our own personal experiences, but what society has taught us, that men are supposed to be like this and women are supposed to be like this. And one of the things I said to you is I always felt more connected to men because I was not good at feeling my emotions, really good at expressing. Like I I could cry and I could laugh at a movie But deep down, I wasn't really feeling a lot of emotions that I really needed to feel, like anger and rage and shame and guilt and all those fun, dark emotions. (laughs) Can you explain a bit more the difference between feeling your emotions and expressing them? Yeah, I'll use grief. Grief is one that I think we can all relate to right now with the pandemic and people have lost loved ones, lost jobs. Grief is complex in that you may be going through the motions of grief, like you know you've lost a loved one, so you know that you're sad, you know that you're feeling a sense of longing, you understand it, but then you put like a little shell around yourself that says, I'm only going to feel so much because I can only handle so much. So that's the feeling part. Now expressing, I'm going to use anger. You might be angry at something, and so you like road rage is a great example. You get road rage and you're expressing anger, but is that what you're really angry about? You might be angry that your wife is about to leave you. You might be angry that your child is depressed. You might be angry because something in your life is just not right. But the anger that you're expressing versus the anger you're feeling is not the same thing. That's why it's different. So you're expressing anger through road rage. But what you're really angry about is something very different. But because you don't want to feel this, you express it. And that's the most common example I can give. It happens to us all the time. Yeah, We're expressing anger, but we're not really feeling what we're angry about. Right. When I'm working with clients, I call this emotional time travel. Like I'm expressing anger at you, but what's really I'm hurt about is, you know, two decades old. So perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. And it's so interesting you bring that up because what I remember I mentioned that, that my entire journey has been about my fear of turbulence. What was happening is when I was on the plane, And I felt that sense of lack of control whenever it was super bumpy. Unbeknownst to me, I was feeling all of the turbulence in my entire life. Like anytime I felt that lack of control, right? Whether it's not having any safety or not feeling like I could, I was getting bullied. What we don't realize, and this is something powerful that came about when I was doing my sketch poetic, is we always understand this idea that 
memories have emotions attached to it. So the first time we had ice cream, the first time we went to Disneyland or something negative happened, we have an emotion attached to it. The opposite holds true. When we have an emotion, we have memories attached to it. Let's say somebody abandons you in this moment in time. You are actually feeling all the times you've been abandoned. You may not be aware of it. This is why it's all unconscious. So the reason Sketch Poetic is so profound and powerful is you're giving it permission to live outside of yourself. And then you're giving it a physical plane for it to be seen. That's the healing power is actually seeing it. It's bringing all that unconscious stuff to the conscious mind. Right. In my own experience and working with people that we just keep ruminating if we keep it. So yeah. if it's, you know, primal scream or shouting out, you know, shouting out to nature or, you know, gratitude journaling or doodling and sketching are all ways yeah. to release what's in you. Yeah. And that's the reason I don't call it art is the, because I call it an embodied practice because when I'm doing it, I'm truly purging. It's the word I use because also when I was younger, I used eating disorders as a way to process my pain. So I like to use the word purge because it reminds me of the unhealthy ways I used to do it. Unhealthy was eating disorder. Healthy is sketching. I was doing the same thing though. It's just that when the pain becomes so overwhelming, the emotion of the pain becomes so overwhelming, you look for physical ways to release it. And some people find unhealthy ways to do that, whether it's alcoholism, addiction, you know, people cut themselves. It's because the emotional pain is so overwhelming that they almost need to have a physical connection to something outside of that emotional pain. Right. And so many of us are feeling that right now. When I was like in junior high school, like I was a cutter myself as well. And because I felt so much pain inside, I'd rather feel physical pain than feel that. You know, did you know that's how our brains work is that we can't feel both pains at the same time. We can't feel emotional pain and physical pain at the same time. So when we're emotionally at a threshold, that's why the physical pain comes in. And that's why I do think believe people cut. And that's why I purged. That's why... I was anorexic. It's because I, I needed some sort of physical, like a physical, like I said, physical expression to kind of disconnect from the emotional pain. And that's what's happening today. And that's the reason why there's a mental health epidemic is that we are realizing how much that emotional pain is affecting our lives, in our body, in our heads, in our spirits. Yeah. Like this global timeout has been an opportunity to go within and feel and release. But I'm sure a lot of people are just taking it as an opportunity to like stuff more shit down. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of, Andy, to be honest. I, I'm concerned that two things will, could, could happen potentially, even though I'm very hopeful about our future. I'm concerned that one, when the pandemic gets back to the new normal, people are going to be so quick to forget, to want to forget what has happened. That's the one concern I have. The second is the people that do remember what has happened, that they don't learn from it. And one of the lessons I sadly had to learn is the more you suppress and ignore a lesson the bigger the lesson becomes. It's kind of this universal truth that nobody ever talks about, but it's there. So if you don't learn a lesson, the lessons just get bigger to where it gets to a point where you're slapped in the face. And they're like, wake up, Sheila. <laughs> you got to learn this lesson because it's so in front of your face. And that sucks. Like, I don't want people to have to get the bigger, bigger snowball to wake up. Don't. So that's the reason I'm so driven to get Sketch Poetic out there because I want people to physically see what's happening inside of them. Like you said, let's see what's happening in here. Look at it. And because once it becomes a conscious thing, and you know this, Andy, from our conversations, you can't unsee it. You can't undo it. You know what you know, and now we can't unknow it. So now it's on you. What are you going to do with that information? And you can't fix, heal, address anything that you're not aware of. Yes. So there's another great tool of awareness. Like what is all this stuff that I don't want to feel or acknowledge? And if I just get my mind out of the way and give it pen and paper, like what might unfold? Well, it's also the power of ignorance because if you're ignorant, you have no reason to have, you have an excuse, you have an out. 
I didn't know. So sorry. You know, personal experience, plenty of years I kept choosing ignorance. Yep. Oh yeah. Here, that sounds neat. I bet it helps, but yeah, I'll stay over here. (laughs) It's a safety mechanism. That's the other thing in our spiritual awakening that you and I have both done is there's a forgiveness and grace you have to give yourself and looking back and seeing all the choices we made. I think it's kind of useless is probably too strong of a word, but it's certainly not helpful to look back and regret the things we did and how we were. It was all intended for us to get to where we are today. And so, yeah, I I know I made many bad choices in life. (laughs) Yeah, but if (laughs) if they all got you to a place that you actually like, then they served a purpose. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not ashamed of the shadowed side of myself anymore, the darkness, and it still exists. Like we always have a shadow side or a dark side. The question is, are we making peace with that self? Because if we can make peace with it and they can exist with us, then we don't ever have to run away from it anymore because it's always with you. Preparing to talk to you, I was thinking about different times art had shown up in my life. And one thing that popped out, so 20 years old, it's like my fifth suicide attempt. I'm in the Brattleboro Retreat, which is a combo place for, it was for substance abuse and psychiatric disorders. And we had an art therapist part. And I still remember her name. I still remember the things I drew. I finally threw some away like five years ago. Oh, so, I wish you had kept it. I would love to see it. <laughs> oh, but no, I finally threw it away because it was, it was bad. It was like, ugh. Especially late teens, early 20s. It's almost like I want to look, here's how gross I feel. And that's what I was drawing. And I kept that. And I'm still like, so I felt such relief. I did a video of it. Like I ripped it up and did made a ritual to get rid of it finally. But I kept it as this reminder, but I was also like attached to it. Like Mm. it's hard to say, like when I was a kid, I didn't think I had depression. I didn't think I was suicidal. I thought I was like, I am suicidal thoughts embodied. I am depression living in flesh, right? So it's almost like art, I don't know if I had a distorted sense of it or just needed needed more. I needed to sketch more instead of just draw things twice in a hospital and never do it again. Yeah, no, you, gosh, Andy, you just touched on so much, so many powerful insights, what you just shared. Can I just reflect back on a couple of them? Because I think they were so cool. One, the fact that you did only, you did it as a point in time. And this is the reason I said it's a healing tool, not a heal. You're not going to be healed once you do it. It's, this is why this whole self-care model of what society tells us, I'm depressed, so let's go to a day spa and suddenly I'm going to feel better. No, it doesn't work that way. Just like if I tell you to sketch for 21 days, which is my workshop, I don't expect you to be healed in 21 days. Certainly don't even know if you can tap into any of it at, in 21 days. What this does is just introducing you to a tool. But if you don't use the tool to your point then it's just always going to be there. The good thing about these tools is you can access them at any given time, which is what I love. The second thing that you said that I thought was really powerful and actually had a gentleman reflect this to me recently in a workshop that I'm doing. He apparently had been sketching poetic. He called it something different, but he had been doing it like 12 years ago. And he did this one piece that was super dark and he was vulnerable and he showed it to his wife. And his wife's response was the kind of response that you like, oh, like you felt bad for him. She's, first of all, she goes, that is so dark. Where is that coming from? And basically attacked him like for what she saw. And then she said, and you're going to show that to our daughter. You can't show that to our daughter and basically shamed him. And so he never did it again for like a decade. And that moment, and I could tell when he was telling me, I could tell he was going to tear up because it broke him. It broke him for two reasons. And let's talk about vulnerability here for a second. The dictionary definition of vulnerability isn't just being open. People think vulnerability is being open. The dictionary definition is being open with the potential of threat, with the possibility of something bad happening. That's why it's called vulnerable. 
And so what happened is this gentleman shared his vulnerability and guess what? The threat actually happened. His wife shamed him and got angry with him. And so this is the point of why creative expression is so powerful is art. And the reason I don't call it art is I have heard hundreds and hundreds of stories of children being shamed, children being criticized for doing the art. It's not perfect enough. It's not good enough. You're never going to make money doing it. And what I want to do is change the paradigm. It's not about creating anything for anyone else but yourself. It isn't about making money. It is about helping the inner you come out through the act of creative expression. So everything you just said triggered all of that because it's totally loaded. It's such a loaded conversation. Well, good. Here's some more. The other place art has shown up for me. Are you familiar with holotropic breathwork? Of course. I love breathwork. Good. So I've done that like, I think 10 times. You breathe for like a two hour experience. You have the inner healer comes out. You have whatever you're having. And then without talking to someone, you draw, you create a mandala. And mine, I always try to tell the story. And I like my shitty artistry, you know, <laughs> like I'm stick figure guy still. But so the last time I did it, it was such this joyous experience. I went to the Vatican and found out the Pope had this underground nightclub. And it was all like Gene Simmons, Nikki Six was all just bass players. So it was nothing but bass, just thumping. And it was just fire and flames. And so my drawing, I'm just like, I'm drawn every bass has ever heard of. And it's like spinal tap cranking up bass to 11. And it was just this insane, you know, go-go club under the Vatican. And it's stupid. It looks like a third grader drew it on and they were drunk but i love it i framed it so you know it's whatever you feared it that way too that's so beautiful oh thank you (laughs) but so healing and i love that in that process you don't tell anybody you're not no one's discussing it and it's just after you and people unveil their art and then you tell your story of what your experience was yes and that's the second part to it is the insight so when I talk about sketch poetic, there's three parts to it, Andy. There's the play and imagination, which we all have capacity to do. We all have a capacity to play and imagine. The second is flow and meditation, which is where it takes you. The third is where the healing and transformation truly lies, is when it becomes sight to insight. It's when you can look at the things you're creating and look beyond the marks you're making and ask yourself questions. It's basically the act of, you said the word rumination, which I love that word, you ruminate, you contemplate, you become curious about your own creations. That's where you become the creator and the healer of your own self. Because what you're doing, the assumption is the things that you're creating is all on purpose. Whether it's conscious or unconscious, it's there. Every mark you make. So there's no such thing as mistakes. And so the perfectionist that comes up as an artist, you're going to be very uncomfortable with this practice. Because if you're obsessed or more concerned about what it looks like than what it makes you feel... And discomfort is in both of those sides, by the way. You're either going to be uncomfortable by the way it makes you feel or uncomfortable by the way it looks. Might as well sit in the discomfort of how it makes you feel because at least there you'll find some healing, right? And so that's where I ask people to sit in the discomfort of the feelings that come up, whether that's judgment or the critic, you know, all of those things that tend to happen when we create because underneath all of that perfectionism and judgment is the emotions you're not feeling. There's a reason we want to be perfect. For me, it was about safety. I wanted to be perfect, not because I cared about what other people thought, but that's what I thought it was about. But when I did my inner work, I realized I was wanting to be perfect and have all the answers because I never felt safe. So if I'm perfect, nothing bad is going to happen to me. If I'm perfect, no one's going to want to hurt me. These are the types of things that were unconscious. So perfectionism for me was actually about safety. That was huge for me to to realize. So if I'm perfect, I'm safe, that they're kind of equal in your mind. And and it's a broken idea when you really rationally think about it. But when you aren't thinking about it rationally and you're thinking about it emotively, 
if I'm a good girl and if I'm perfect, then everything's going to be okay. And unfortunately, in my life, I found out that being a good girl doesn't matter. Bad things happen to good people. Suffering happens to all of us. And so that desire to be perfect and be a good girl, it wasn't for naught. I certainly believe I needed to have that just to survive the things I needed to survive. I think we needed, I think people that have gone through trauma need something to hold on to. And that's why I think a lot of successful people have trauma in their background, because we have a drive to achieve something beyond our suffering. And a lot of people that are of service to the world have suffered as well. So I think we turn and transmute our pain into good. That's what we do. And it's why you're doing this podcast and giving people like me a spotlight. I know you've hosted some of these workshops in prisons. Did the men in prisons respond in a different way than people outside? Yes. Yeah. And I'll tell you in the one way that blew my mind. I made an assumption that we've all played. The worst assumption I could have made. It's so humbling when you see a man... I guess I was working with men at the time. When you see a man pick up a paintbrush and he's never touched a crayon before. Like, do you under, to wrap your hand around a person that's never even touched a crayon. The second thing is I asked them to express their emotions. And because they, and this is really important in the prison system, as you can imagine. And I've talked to vets as well, people with PTSD. There are certain vocations and certain, and I think men ha- do have this unfortunate situation where society conditions them to be this way where being vulnerable is a true threat. Like in a prison system, if you're vulnerable, you could get killed. And, uh, you know, in the army or Navy, if you're vulnerable, your job may be on the line because your mental health is a thing you don't talk about. So there's a real possibility of threat. So when I asked these gentlemen in the prison to express their emotions, they didn't really express their emotions. What they did is express what they wanted. And I saw so many hearts, Andy, so many hearts, these men, these hardened men, Men that I don't even know what they did, honestly. I didn't know what, why they were there. That's not, and I didn't really care. All I saw were these young boys in these male bodies, adult bodies, and I could see they just wanted to be loved. It was so, oh, it was painful, but yet therapeutic and healing to watch. And that's all we want is we want to be loved. I could not get over how many hearts I saw in the expressions. Is there any level of trauma that, sketching can't help or oh i'm sure there is you know, and, it, and it, is it ever dangerous to do this like without you know some support i love that you asked that i'm so glad you asked that i actually in my book there's a uh, they call it i don't know what the legal term is where they put a disclaimer disclaimer yes and i would say this about this practice the reason it is powerful is it meets you where you are if you are a person that is clinically depressed or clinically suicidal to your point, like somebody that is in the verge of something really drastic and scary, sketching is not going to help you at that particular moment. You probably need some really professional help. And that is not what my book is claiming nor my practice. However, I will say this. There was a man in prison. I read his blog. He was in solitary confinement for 28 years and all he could do to survive was art. So I don't think it is an impossibility to say art can save their life. And I don't, I believe that because truly mental health and physical health is all the same, but I will not never claim that if you do sketch poetic, it's going to save your life. What I am saying to you though, is we are fundamentally greater than what is this, this physical state. We have a spiritual soul that resides within. And I would just say that if you are feeling at a point where you, this practice is opening up something that is out of the realm of your comfort, then seek professional help. 
However, if you can sit in the discomfort and process it and you actually feel better afterward, then it's probably the right tool for you. The other thing that's really important is this may be not the tool for you. Maybe it's music. Maybe you're a musician. Maybe you're a songwriter. Maybe you're a poet. I really think sketch poetic is a gateway to other creative expression practices. And so that's the reason I don't claim that the one tool is going to fix it all. But yeah, for sure. I'm glad you brought that up. There's certain traumas that you should seek professional help for sure. That's what people are studying. That's what they're known for. They're experts at. The first book I ever wrote was all about positive affirmations. And after, you know, probably a decade of saying that's nonsense, it's bullshit, that doesn't work, I'm not even going to try. And then I tried and I'm like, wow, I feel better doing these. But yeah, it's, and much like sketching, I let, there's no barrier to entry, anyone can do it, but you got to get past the resistance of that this can help, but also realize it's not just going to, you know, I said, everybody loves me and now the world's different, right? Like it's not a one time fix, it's a tool. I was just talking to a gentleman named David Angelo. He's doing a brave university for underserved youth. And he said that we were talking about bravery. Like, how does that show up? And it's that first leap that you just talked about, Andy. That first sketch, that first, you're staring death in the face because your mortality isn't at risk. And you make a choice to not go there and you do something else to help you process that in a healthy way. That is the brave. That's the brave part. That's the courage. And the other part of it is healthy. And anger was the emotion that I had a complex relationship with. I only saw negative expressions of anger as a child, right? I saw volatility, rage. Anger is an emotion I was never comfortable with. But that's because I didn't see it expressed healthily. Now, when I get angry or I feel rage for some reason, injustice or just something pissed me off, when I sketch, that's a healthy way to express it. Or if I want to hit my boxing bag, I love to box. Just something that gets that aggression out. Those are healthy expressions. Yeah, yeah, I meet some people that think expressing anger is just bad. Like, no, it's yeah. all how you express. Expressing it is great. Exactly. But you know, how many people believe that? Yeah, a lot. A lot. Too many. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's because they don't see healthy expressions of it. Mm, yeah. Or they okay. don't have a tool for it, which is what Sketch Poetic can be for people. Yeah. One of the tools that I use are the Akashic Records. Oh. And one of the common things I do for people is just, it keeps reminding like, we are all, we are creative beings. The power that creates worlds is within all of us. So if there's any of us that, when we refuse to create, when we refuse to express, that's, I find, that's where depression and sorrow and just feeling, you know, meaninglessness and purposelessness all comes from not creating something. Yeah. I love talking to you because we both didn't start here. Like we didn't talk about Akashic records and chakras and holotropic breath work. I know you and I didn't start from that place. We started from a very different base of understanding. This is what's powerful about the world we're living in today. We have access to all of these tools, but we just have to allow ourselves the permission to explore all of these things. It's scary for some people because it's all unknown. It's, you know, you hear the term woo-woo and all that. People are afraid of what they don't know. So let's invite it. That's why I think art is so powerful because art is just such a accessible thing for everyone. There's no stigma around art in a way that, let's say, breathwork might have or meditation might have, right? There's this, there's a lot of stigma, especially if you live in certain regions of the country. We, I live in LA and this is just a common thing, breath work. But you go to the South and that wasn't, we never talked about breath work in the South. I lived in Memphis for a long time. Yeah, and anytime so, I talk about energy work, I always point out like, it wasn't long ago that, you know, chiropractic was, oh, that's some crazy fringe thing or yoga. You know, like now there's a yoga studio on every freaking block all across the country, I think. So yeah, breath work is the same, energy work, like, you know, all of this, all these other ways to heal, ways to feel alive. Like there's, yes. there's no limit to that. Yes. Well, mark my word, Andy, creative expression is the next yoga. 
it is going to be the next wave of healing tools modality. And I'm just one of the people that are bringing it to the world. You mentioned bravery earlier, and none of us can be brave without fear first. So it's actually like, oh, I'm afraid of that. Oh, good. Like now you can do something. Like if you just do things you're not afraid of, if there's not that, that, that nervous energy, if there's no sort of barrier to doing it, then it's, it's not new. It's not bringing anything new to you. Yeah, I totally vibing off you right now. But when you said that, I was immediately thinking about anxiety and everyone knows what anxiety is now or certainly has become more common. But you know what's on the other side of anxiety is anticipation. It's the flip of anxiety. So anticipation is the similar energy to anxiety. It's just, this is a more positive slant. So fear is the same thing. I think what my healing journey has taken me is being able to sit in that duality of both paradoxical and conflicting emotions, love and fear, right? Grief and joy, certainty and uncertainty. If you can sit in the middle of it and be still and grounded in it, to me, that's the magic. If you can, because I used to not be able to sit in any of it. And then more important, I used to have to go to extremes, Andy. Like that's how I'd learn. Like I'd have to learn this. And then suddenly I'm like all over here. <laughs> and I was just very extreme in my learning and my growth. But now I find a lot of growth in the stillness. It's so powerful to sit in the middle of it all and just feel like you're growing and not having to like constantly be in the, you know what I mean? The intensity of everything. Like as a society, we're really hooked on the extremes right now. We're swinging back and forth because that seems dramatic and exciting and balance. Well, that sounds boring, but that's where life feels its best. Like it doesn't mean you can't try these other things. It's just, yeah, the majority of you is stable and grounded. I'm, I'm going to go be extreme for a while and come back to my center and I'll be a little, I'll try this over here and come back to my center. Well, that's the power of what we talked about with the polytropic or creative expression is the intensity within when you feel the limitless of what's inside of you, holy crap, it cannot even be measured to what the intensity you feel on the outside world. Like when I start to go into my imagination and I'm sketching and I swear I have out of body experiences all the time. So I've been sketching in April 17th, it'd be four years straight. I've been sketching daily. Can you believe that? What's wild to me, but there, there are moments where I'm sketching and I go into it with such excitement and curiosity and awe is a word I use a lot. I'm just in awe of what's happening. And I'm just curious, like, oh, what the hell is going to happen today? <laughs> and inevitably, every now and then there's that one sketch where I'm just like, this isn't even about me. This is coming from some higher source because it's big. Like I could feel it. Like I, I feel it coming through. And when you tap into that, dude, that's intense yeah. in a good way. Yeah. Now you get it. That's better than any drug. I mean, that, drugs were invented to chase <laughs> that feeling. Yeah. No, it's a natural high. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, now, Sheila, I know you're also an ambassador with the Compassion Prison Project. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So Fritzi Horstman is the founder of Compassion Prison Project. She is a powerhouse. And she invited volunteers to go to Kern Valley Prison, which is where I volunteered. And because of my desire to help others, I asked her instead of just coming in, usually a volunteer just sits there and observes. I asked her, can I host a sketch poetic trauma workshop? So I brought in these big rolls of watercolor paper. I brought in all the supplies. Unfortunately, they don't have tables or chairs. There's just no luxury in prison. So these poor men, and I see poor men because they sleep on hard beds. I had to have them sit on the concrete. It's one of my regrets. But they, you could tell they're very uncomfortable because they, there's a lot of back pain. And But they sat on the ground and then they started to express themselves with watercolor. And so that's what I did. And so ever since that, I've been an ambassador. So I support them in many different ways. I'm either helping support their marketing, bouncing ideas. Anytime there's a Slack channel that they have, 
and maybe they need something little like, can you, can somebody edit this document? I offer it. So if you are interested in supporting Compassion Prison Project, just go to their website, sign up as a volunteer. And you could have, even if you have an hour a week, every little bit helps. And their entire purpose is to turn prisons into healing centers instead of these, what are we bringing? These men are going back and these women are going back to society and they're more broken than they were when they first came in. So let's help them heal so that they can come back into society as, you know, healed or healing, you know, type people. Awesome. Yeah. I love everything you're involved with and all the ways you express yourself and help encourage healing for everybody else. Is there anything that stands out that you see that really helps you connect with men when it comes to emotional and mental health? Mm, That's a great question. I know this sounds really simple, but the reason I believe I connect not just with men, but people of all races, creeds, socioeconomic, but men specifically is I don't look at what I see, like, I don't see a white man with a beard. What sketching has done for me is there's so much in the unseen that happens when you're sketching, the the daily sketching. So now when I see people, I don't see a gender. I really don't. I see Andy, who's gone through life, who has had these experiences that's had almost committed suicide. That's what I see. So when I'm connecting with you, and this is the reason why I think music is such a big part of what's happening. Creative expression music is going to be part of that as well is I believe there's a resonance in our marks we make. If you look at an image, it almost speaks to you in some ways when you go to an art gallery. So I look at people and men specifically like, like a piece of art. I see you and I see beyond. I just see there's something deeper and more meaningful there. So I would say that the second thing is what I said earlier, vulnerability is something that I thought I was. But there's a thing called performance activism that's existing out there where people perform and do things. I was performing a lot in life. I was in the business world. I performed a lot. I realized in hindsight, I was a performer. I performed this. I'm an executive woman and I got my shit together. I am a mom that has everything figured out. That was a performance because inside I was not clearly doing well. Right. I had to hit this wall of sorts. And I would say men of all the, I would say this is not a stereotype, but men are performing constantly because they have to, because there's so many threats coming at them. And now with society, the way it is, where we're just so aware of all the things that are breaking, systems are breaking. And so I think men by nature, you guys are protectors. That's what's inherently in you to protect. I talk to new dads or people that just get, you know, men that just get married and suddenly their entire world is shifted to protect mode and they can't think straight. (laughs) And so I would just say that I just see men as people. I don't think of them as men. I think of them as human beings and we're all kind of children stuck in these adult bodies trying to figure crap out. Yeah. The biggest act that I see, you know, is acting like we got it all figured out. I know what I'm doing. I don't need your help. Everything's fine. And you know, every part of you knows that's completely a lie. And that's why I think I can connect with men. I felt the same way. Mine was, for me though, mine was survival. Like I said, it's part cultural conditioning, but more and more, I think it isn't about my culture. I did it because I had trauma in my life. And if I didn't come across like I had my shit together, then I was threatened. I felt threatened. So I had to feel in control had to feel like I had, and I had to protect myself because who else was going to protect me, right? So I would say that is why I connect with men more easily, I think, than some women, perhaps. Now, 
your book is upcoming, right? It's not out yet. No, sadly, it's not coming out till December, but you can pre-order it now. But I do workshops as well in the interim. So what's the book called? Sketch by Sketch, A Creative Path to Emotional Healing and Transformation. And is it kind of walking someone at home through an in-person workshop? Yeah. This, so the structure is a little different. The way I'd like to think about it is imagine me sitting next to you, but I can't. That's the only reason I wrote the book is because I can't scale and meet with every single person that wants to do this. So the book is made up of 21 chapters. And the first 20 chapters have two sketch prompts, but each chapter is based on the duality of emotion. So that's what you love about it. So each sketch prompt will have sketching through anxiety and anticipation, right? Sketching through certainty and uncertainty, sketching through discomfort and comfort. So the idea is I want to be able to have you experience the duality of emotions that are tension and conflict always. There's always conflict in our lives. We just don't understand that the conflict is... We may not know we're ignoring this emotion, but it's always present, but there's always conflict. But if we can be aware that of that conflict, then we can finally actually see ourselves in the full view of, of how we show up in the world. But yes, yeah, 21 chapters and each chapter has two prompts, a 10 minute one and a 30 minute one. And I tell a narrative, either my own personal story about creativity. It's all around creativity. And I share stories of people I've met through my workshops. I don't give them their name because of privacy reasons, but each story is someone in my workshop that's unlocked or hit a block or become stuck. And I've had to help them work through it. And so I share those things in the book. So it's really a a self-guided tool for you to, to leap into it. Right. And after the book's done, you're not supposed to stop. Well, this is the question I get all the time. Per my statistics, Andy, this is what's going to happen. This is what I'm seeing. 30, around 30% will stop before they even start. (laughs) They'll get the book and go, yeah, I don't think this is for me. For many reasons, they're not ready. It's intimidating, whatever. 30% will do it for for the book or the 21 days. And they get something out of it. Like they truly do love it. And then the other 30 something percent left over, they're still doing it. Now they may not do it every single day, but some people are doing it at least three, four times a week. So as long, here's the thing. And I believe this as somebody that, is trying to create impact like you, even if you change one person's life, it was worth it. So I don't even care if it was 1%. If that one person happens to changes their life and they do something magnificent with their lives, then damn, that's amazing. Do you have any easy suggestion for someone that's, you know, just heard this far and like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get over this. I'm not an artist thing. I'm just going to, is it really just sit down with pen and paper and see what happens? Or is there anything else? I'm glad you asked. I actually came up with these hacks And I say brain hack because I have to make them think differently about it. So the hack I gave is one is think of the page as a dance floor and the pen as a dancer. So don't think about it as you're drawing. Think of it as you're expressing a dance on the floor. The second one is a conductor. Think of the pen as a baton. And if you had to express really sad music, how would it look on paper? And the third is an archaeologist. Thinking of the pen as like a little, little brush that you're looking for a fossil And all you're doing on the paper is that. And the reason those three ideas help, is just gets you out of this idea that you're doing art. You're dancing, you're, you know, all of those things I just said. And it just is a hack to get your brain out of that whole, like, idea of fear. Yeah, what works in so many situations. But yeah, reframe it. Like, oh, I'm afraid of this. Great, call us something else. You know, case closed. Boom. I could probably do a cooking metaphor too, but. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's limitless metaphors. Exactly. Like the second book, Cooking and Sketching. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad you got the second book out there for me already. <laughs> cool. Fascinating what you're doing, where you're going. I love all the 
uh, especially that men are being called to this too, but anyone, you know, connecting into their heart, connecting, releasing, expressing emotions, feeling emotions, and finding tools that, again, no barrier to entry. Like, you can just start anywhere, doodle, you know, sketch. Yeah. Well, and the part that I will say because of your audience is if you are going to leap into this, this is a really good practice to invite your partner, your family member, a loved one, a friend. And that's one of the things I will say with the sketch poetic, why I've been so inspired is less about the tool. That's been a huge aha for me, obviously. The community that's been built around it. If you just go to Instagram and you search the hashtag sketch poetic, so people that do it, tag it. And you see the comments people are making on each other's sketches. And by the way, I'm building a platform right now on my own. I'm investing in it and I'm working with a company called Swirl. And the woman that founded it with her partner, Eric and Ika, they were sketchers. They were part of the sketch poetic community, came to me and said, we believe in what you're doing so much. We're willing to invest our times and resources to it. And so they're helping me build a platform, taking people out of social media and dropping them into a sketch poetic platform where you can upload your sketch tag it with the emotion you're feeling and then share it with the world because sharing is healing in itself. And the reason I say that is remember the story of the gentleman I said earlier where he showed his wife and the response she had, that is the opposite of what I want people to feel. Like if you're going to put yourself out there, don't you want a place that you can just feel like you're being seen and heard? And, and that's what I want to create. So this platform, it should be coming out end of April. Yes. I'm hoping people that are listening, if they, hear it around that time that they will check out sketch poetic because that platform should be up and running by then cool all right so what's the best way to to find out what you're up to keep in touch what, what's the I best would say way go to sketchpoetic.com pre-order my book on amazon sketch by sketch by sheila darcy or go to my instagram because that's where my community is currently awesome awesome yeah that's about it but please come to my workshops i'm actually doing a partnership with force and our master class is going to be available for free for everyone so hopefully everyone can join that and actually learn how to do it so are these virtual right now or is back to being yeah, in person they're all, yet or they're all virtual yeah I, they used to be in person but they're all virtual right now cool awesome i'm gonna check that out myself yeah you should i would love you to do it yeah yeah that's not very exciting so you get a lot going on what like does anything stand out as what you're most looking forward to you're going to laugh. I would say I look forward to not knowing because I, I know this is silly, but I have to say it. I've spent my entire life manifesting ideas and vision, envisioning my future. And for the first time in my life, I don't know. All I know is I'm supposed to bring this to the world and create impact. And so the answer to your question is I take it a day at a time. I really, really do. And it's such a refreshing way to live. Because I've never lived this way before. So I, I don't have one thing I look forward to. I just wake up every day and I'm just in awe and curious about what's going to happen. <laughs> it's like a magic day every day. Yeah. Be open to it all as opposed to, here's one thing. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah, it's a great way to go. That's the answer is I just, I'm embracing it all and surrendering to all of it. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, Sheila, thanks so much for your time. Everybody listening right now. Unless you're driving, grab a pen and paper. See what you can do. Like, just see what flows out right now. I think that'd be a fantastic way to yeah, get, get all those emotions out and put it on yeah. paper. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Make a real men feel get well card or something. And send it to me. Let's see what you got. <laughs> That's a great idea. You should totally do that. I love that. Hashtag real men feel. <laughs> yeah. All right. Again, Sheila, thanks. Everyone listening, thank you. Visit realmenfeel.org, the blog, the, uh, the show notes for the show. We'll have all the, the books and links and all the ways to, to get in touch with your inner creative expressioner instead of artist. Yes. Right? Inner, creator. <laughs> inner creator is good enough. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Until next time, 
be well, don't ruminate, express what's inside, no matter what shape, color, whatever distortion it is, just get it out of you. It's better that way. And through this all, be good to yourself. 